a place to turn to when your disease has no name. You're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, Dr. Maurice Pickard, and joining me today is Dr. William Gall. Dr. Gall is the clinical director of the National Human Genome Research Institute, and with him is Dr. Stephen Groft. Dr. Groff is director of the Office of Rare Diseases at National Institute of Health. Thank you both for joining us today. Certainly. Certainly. We're going to be discussing a new research project called Undiagnosed Disease Program. Could you tell me what this is? Certainly. This is Dr. Gall, and the Undiagnosed Disease Program is a new initiative that will bring patients to the National Institutes of Health Patients who have disorders that have been investigated somewhat and at other centers and have no diagnosis determined. That means that the diagnosis has been reasonably well pursued. And our intention is to try to get new diseases so that we can perform research on them. And also we hope to provide an answer to some of the patients for their prognosis and possibly even treatment. How is this organized? This is a consortium, really, of consultants at the NIH. About 25 experts in individual disorders have come together to review cases that are brought to us so that we require that there be a referral letter by a physician who takes care of such a patient, and then the medical records sent to us, and we review those medical records to determine if the person would be eligible, that is, meet our criteria. And then if the patient is chosen to be part of this program, they're brought to the NIH for roughly a one-week admission, and examinations are performed, and at the end we wrap up with a discussion with the patient and the family about the disorder and what we've found out about it and make plans for follow-up again with the referring physician. So it's the referring physician who would do the follow-up. That is correct. Our audience are 90% physicians and other medical professionals, and I'm sure many, many of us have struggled with such a problem that you're now dealing with. How could we go about referring a patient to you? Well, the first step would be to make a call to the recruitment center of the NIH, the clinical center, and that number is 866-444-8806. And that will set into motion the sending of letters and answers to frequently asked questions to whoever calls that number. And then one goes from there because those letters and instructions tell how to send the referral letter and also the medical records. So the way I understand it, the patients that you'll see have to be able to travel. That's true. We can't really advise or consult on patients who can't be seen by us. In other words, we would expect to do further testing on individuals. And the cost of this, who would bear this? Well, the NIH Clinical Center is a federal facility, so it charges none of its patients so that we would incur all the costs of that, including the physician's expertise and the days in the hospital. And uh, essentially, we'll cover travel as well. What age limit is it? Since you say they have to travel, are you going to be seeing children uh, at what age? What uh, is there a cutoff? Yes, we think about one year of age and up is when we'll see individuals. And there may be some patients who are almost a year of age or so for whom it will take a little while for us to collect all the records anyway, but we're planning this to be one year and up. How many patients are you looking for in this program? Well, it's a little bit like the Marines. We're looking for one good man or one good woman. 
And that means we're going to be reasonably selective. We hope to be able to see 50 to 100 selected individuals with really undiagnosed disorders that have some sort of a clue for us to pursue. Dr. Groff, I'd just like to ask you, I know that you're the director of the Office of Rare Diseases. Would you tell our audience and myself what a, quote, rare disease, unquote, is? A rare disease, as defined by the Orphan Drug Act, is a disorder with a prevalence less than 200,000 people here in the United States. And this includes disorders such as sickle cell disease, progeria, cystic fibrosis, and osteopetrosis. We estimate there are close to 7,000 different rare disorders that would fall under the umbrella of the rare disease terminology. I noticed you mentioned the Orphan Drug Act. These rare diseases used to be called orphan diseases. What led to the change? Oh, I think it was an evolution of the term that people really felt that many of the disorders weren't truly orphan in which there was no interest, that indeed there is considerable interest in the diseases. And so several years ago with one of our special commissions, the recommendation was made that we try to focus on rare diseases and not on orphan diseases. And we've seen even a little greater evolution. Now many of the infectious diseases that are in the emerging countries are now referred to as neglected diseases. You know, I'm intrigued by this program. I'd like to also ask you what it is not. And the reason I prompt this is that when I was reading about your program, I saw that Fox News had the quote, and this is a quote, feds to offer free health care to people with a very rare disease, unquote. And I could see where if enough people read that byline or headline, you'd have to put in new phone wires or extra phone wires at the NIH. What is this program not directed at? Well, this is Dr. Gall again, and I think that you really hit the nail on the head that this is not simply to provide free care with known rare diseases. We're looking for patients who don't have a diagnosis, who have such a rare disease that it hasn't even been described yet. In other words, that it's a new disease, it can provide us with some information that's new about cell biology or biochemistry or things of that sort. So it's not for a second opinion. And secondly, it's not for someone who has a known rare disease like Ehlers-Danlos or such and such. And it's not really to stimulate us to study a rare disease that is sort of the favorite disease of a doctor or a patient or a group. That really is a decision for other people to make. This is for us to address individuals who have undiagnosed diseases so far. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Maurice Pickard, and I'm speaking with Dr. William Gall, who is the clinical director of the National Human Genome Research Institute, and Dr. Stephen Groft, who is the director of the Office of Rare Diseases at the NIH. And we're discussing a new project called Undiagnosed Disease Programs. I'd like to continue the discussion we've already started. You mentioned doing research. With such a low number of patients, how do you do phase three treatment? And maybe this is something you're well aware of because I know that you in particular, Dr. Gall, deal with diseases like cystinosis and L-captinuria. And I wonder how you do research when the number is so small. They talk about rare diseases being 200,000 or less, and we're talking about 50 to 100 patients. Could you kind of tell us how you do phase three, if at all, studies? Well, I would first say that the purpose of this particular program is not to do phase three research. And one can do sort of uh, initial 
phase one research on some of these individuals, but it's critically important, too, to describe the first patient with any particular disease, too. So that is one of the purposes of the Undiagnosed Diseases Program, and it's incredibly illustrative when you find out, for example, that a person who has such and such symptoms has a genetic defect in this pathway or so. So that is something we're trying to get out of it. But as far as doing phase three studies goes, we really aren't required to treat thousands of individuals when there are only hundreds available in the United States. So you can still have a placebo-controlled double-blind study with a randomization to the different groups when you only have sometimes as few as 40 individuals who are enrolled. And that's especially true if you do a crossover study because that allows for every patient to eventually receive the treatment. Well, related to that, can you give me examples of where studies on rare diseases have helped common ones? We have some diseases that we're studying now that will have potential for that. For example, we have a disease called Hermansky-Pudlak syndrome, which I study, and this is a disorder of albinism because the melanosomes don't make pigment properly, and also platelet-related bleeding because the platelets don't have dense bodies in them. And the reason that that occurs together is because the melanosomes and the dense bodies are made by the same biochemical process. But some patients with this, in particular those who have type 1 and type 4 genetically, HPS, get lung disease. And we are working on a treatment for that lung disease, which is called perfenidone. And the lung disease is pulmonary fibrosis. So we can use these patients who are genetically homogeneous to determine if this treatment will help to prevent and to stop the progression of their pulmonary fibrosis. And if we do, then we can apply that to idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis patients, and that's a much more common disease. And the reason that this is beneficial is because if you take IPF patients and try to treat them with a drug, they are so heterogeneous that some of them may respond and some of them not, and it's much more difficult to get reliable and accurate results than it is if we use a homogeneous population. I am certain that patients with rare diseases feel isolated. Organizations like Genetic Alliance and SWAN, S-W-A-N, which is syndrome without a name, are acting as an advocate group. Are these agencies that you might appeal to for patients? Uh, this is Dr. Groft again, and you're absolutely correct. Several of these organizations will be the source of information to the patients and to the community. I think we're dealing with a number of perceptions that are passed on to the patients from the physicians and the healthcare providers that and many times that there are very few people who have a particular condition. There's little or no information available. There's little or no research interest and that there's no treatment available to them. And I think this information needs to be changed considerably so that the patients and families no longer feel totally isolated or they no longer feel that there's a stigma attached to having one of these many disorders and to help them gain access to physicians who have the experience with particular rare disorders. And so I think this is just a part of what's tied up into a total program of providing not only the services for patients with rare diseases and their families, but also the information that enables patients to lead a fairly normal life with their disorder. You know, I think you've touched on it. I think the patients that you're going to be seeing are not looking for miracles. They're looking for a beneficial health outcome. 
certainly this is a place that they can turn to. They've probably been used to getting no answers for their disease complex. And I'd like to encourage our listeners to think about their own personal practices and call 866-444-8806. I want to thank Dr. William Gall and Dr. Stephen Groft, who have been our guests today, and we've been talking about a new research project called Undiagnosed Disease Programs. There are certainly people out there that would benefit from a referral to the National Institute of Health. I'm Dr. Maurice Pickard, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMDXM157, the channel for medical professionals. To listen to our on-demand library, visit us at ReachMD.com. If you have comments or suggestions, call us at 888-MD-XM-157. Thank you for listening. This is Dr. James Welker with Franklin Square Clinical Research Center in Baltimore, Maryland. You are listening to ReachMD-XM-157, the channel for medical professionals.